finishes. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the crease dive. Today is Friday. February 1st, and the 2019 college lacrosse season is finally here. I am Jordy from Barstool, and with me again, we've got Robbio on the mics. Rob, first off, great to hear from you, but even better to have college lacrosse back in our lives. Oh, hey, man. Uh, Pleasure to be back on the mics. It feels like it's been forever. Memorial Day weekend, you and I were taking that trip up to Gillette Stadium in the car, smushed with the camera equipment. Now it's here again. February 1st, the college across season off to a start. Uh, Jordy, it's good to have you back on the mics. I'm excited to get this season going. Uh, it's back. I mean, it might be negative 40 degrees in Chicago, probably zero degrees in Philly and New York, but it's lacrosse weather now yeah i mean we've uh we we've said this a few times last year and we're gonna continue to say it a lot here through february and march and pretty much through april too in the northeast but the fact that they call lacrosse a spring sport is absolute bullshit it is the biggest lie ever told on the face of planet earth um so i mean hey shout out to all the boys who are playing right now and uh you know i I also always shout out to the guys who are riding pine at this time of the year because it is fucking brutal like they got the poncho jackets on latex gloves yeah and three pairs of sweatpants and and the worst and there's there's always going to be that one psycho on the team on the sidelines there who like oh i'm not wearing my sweatpants i'm on sideline like what if coach put it's like dude like you got like three reps all week at practice like you're not getting in the game put on the sweatpants you're making the rest of us look like pussies by wearing shorts that, out here that's also the kid who's headbutting you after every single goal and it's zero degrees out and that's the last thing that you want at that moment yeah it's uh i mean hey it's early in the podcast right now but that's already lesson number one do not be the fucking asshole who's out there headbutting guys with your helmet off to get people pumped up before a game like if i'm about to go out there and, and play like i don't want some maniac just smashing his skull up against my helmet like relax buddy uh Huh. You, you know, wait, 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 real quick before we move on. You know, I want that on my team. I want that fire. I want that energy. You know what? Headbutt me in zero degrees. Getting <sighs> jacked up. <laughs> headbutt somebody else. I'll get jacked up seeing okay. you headbutt someone else. I don't want to get headbutted. But hey, listen, though, like that's passion. That's energy. That's excitement. And I think it's like spitting on you and your face. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least brush your teeth first. But that kind of that passion, that excitement. That's what we all have right now for the college lacrosse season. I, I have the jitters. I got a lot of nervous energy pent up. I don't know about you. It, yeah, I, it feels like it's our first episode all over again. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm probably you know by the time that we're done recording, I'm probably gonna go out there, hit the wall a few times, maybe get some shot, you know, just to kind of work did, out yeah. the nerves. But there is a ton to be excited for with this upcoming season of college lacrosse because it's gonna be unlike any season we've ever had before mostly because of some new rules uh so you know we've we've talked about these rules before but obviously coming into play this year we've got the shot clock and the dive rabio let's go the dive it is very much alive it is confirmed alive you heard it here first the crease dive confirmed alive so out of those two the brand baby (laughs) ftb so out of those two uh new rule changes which one are you most excited for coming into the season what what do you think is going to really add to the game as as much as i want to say the crease dive i'm gonna have to go with the shot clock i you know there are there was numerous points throughout the season last year where it got very 
chess-like on the offensive end. You know, teams were more stalling it, getting around two or three times before attacking. Um, if you look across the slate all of last year, you know, teams were averaging, for the most part, kind of under 10 goals. Um with that being said, I could be very, very off. Stick technology is at its peak, and I actually take that back. I think more <laughs> goals were scored last year, and I think every weekend we were seeing highlights left and right. But, um, you know, it, it speeds up the game, and I think and we're, we're going to touch on it. Um, Utah versus Vermont is the first game of the season. If you look at Utah's coaching staff, it is 100% MLL-based players, so I think they're going to use that to their advantage. Yeah, um, I mean, Marcus Holman, pretty sure he had an 11-goal game in the MLL. Like, an 11-goal game, not an 11-goal season, not an 11-goal week or whatever. Like, he had nah, one game. He had 11 <laughs> goals in one game. So, if there's one thing that that coaching staff is going to be preaching, it's fill the back of the net. And, yeah, I mean, the, the shot clock is obviously going to be huge for this game. Um, you know, and you look at some of, like, the, the lethal – offensive players that uh you know that graduated last year guys like ben reeves justin gutterding uh connor fields connor kelly you know some big time players moved on from college across last year but there are still some goddamn freaks in college across right now probably more than ever uh obviously it's Guys like Jeff T, Pat Spencer, Michael Sowers, and all these guys, like they now have the green light. People are sleeping on Sowers, by the way. You've all, you've been a day one uh, Michael Sowers fan. Yeah, well, he you know he's a Philly area guy, so uh, right, so you're he, a little biased. Yeah, well, I coached against him, and and he's kicked my ass a bunch of times in in that front. But uh, but no, but like those guys, like all these guys, are g gonna have the green light now to just fucking go just i mean it's it's all gas no brakes that's what lacrosse yeah. is going to be so like these guys aren't going to have to you know sit back at any point in the game and kind of you know play that chess match like you said it's like yo like we only got 80 seconds here we only got 60 set like you gotta yeah. go it, ch it, ch it changes the entire game and the offensive flow it's gonna be very interesting i think the first three weeks it's going to be pretty experimental obviously we've been seeing fall ball and scrimmages and you know these coaches aren't dumb they've been practice i'm sure they practice with a shot clock you know every single day when they do six on six so they're going to be prepared but you know when it's zero zero like your record is zero and zero and you're playing against another helmet everything is thrown out the window so i'm going to be very curious to see how these next couple of weeks pan out but you know especially opening day weekend you know anything could happen i mean we're going to touch on it later um you know, Duke is playing. Oh, who's, who's Duke playing? Duke playing Furman, right? In the first game, you know, we have that as a question, like a question mark for a potential upset alert. Like, the, the, that's the best part about the first couple of weeks of lacrosse is is you never or any sport you never know what you're gonna get. It's got that any given Sunday mentality. Yeah, and and now with the shot clock, I mean, like the, those first couple of weeks of the season, especially the first, you know, that opening weekend, there are obviously gonna be some jitters on both sides. And like now that you're getting a little press for time with the shot clock, you know, we're gonna see. Guys make mistakes out there. Could be offensive. That turns in. Could be defense. But like it's gonna be, it's gonna be chaotic. And I think that that's like great for the game because that makes great television and that gets people tuned in. And speaking of great entertainment, Robbie O, I might have to fire you from the podcast for not saying that you're more excited for the goddamn crease dive. I know. To be back I, I, in the I game. Know. I, 
I'm kind of punching myself in the face about that one. But you kind of gave me the alley oop, and I just straight up botched it. Yeah, well, you <laughs> but, know, but that, I'm, just speak, I'm, just, I'm just out here just speaking the speaking some wisdom, speaking the truth. Yeah, well, you know, I I appreciate that. <laughs> Fuck you, I appreciate mm -hmm. it. But yeah, fair enough. Now that the crease dive is back, uh, you know, I think that this is a part of the game uh, that you know the way that the game's been trending, it's been getting more creative, more creative, more creative. Like we're not seeing fundamentals anymore. Thank God you can throw the yeah, fundamentals. I, I, out of I, the, I, yeah. Like I'm ready to see guys just put their shoulder down, go to the rack, get themselves to a spot where they can go airborne and, and just tuck that one away. And I think that the crease dive is pretty much like everything that you would want to see in the sport of lacrosse, like what, it, because in order to get, in order to have to dive at the crease, that means one thing that the defender's playing some damn good defense. So like, there you go. Yeah. Like that, if, if you're a guy who like gets off on watching great defense, like that's not really us, but like if you're someone <laughs> who like loves good defense, yeah. The only reason why you have to dive is because the dude was playing phenomenal D he just couldn't get the takeaway in time. So like he forces them to dive. So there's good defense. And then it's just guys, just dudes selling out their bodies to, to score a goal. And it's an exciting play. Um, you know, it always leads to some great highlights. So I think, it's it's definitely the most electrifying play in the game, unless it's like a, you know, just like a low to high stinger in, in overtime. But yeah. the, the crease dive yeah, is like nothing beats a, a good, good, solid crease dive. Obviously, we've been seeing it this entire NLL season, but to finally see it again on on, on the field game, I'm juiced up, jacked up thinking about it. Um, don't want to be a hardo here, but I was doing some thinking. All right, right. I love the crease dive. All for it being back. You know, maybe number one or number two fan of it being back, because uh, it's the name of the number one lacrosse podcast right now in the country. Uh, but also in the world, <laughs> yep, in the world. Um, number two, I was watching some NBA last night, and these players they drive to the rack with their head down, and they'll just kind of flail up a layup or a drive, and just intentionally get fouled to get to the line. I was thinking, do you think in desperation mode they're going to be using the crease dive to their advantage? The coach will be telling them to kind of take that Hail Mary and go for it since you can't get pushed in the crease anymore, which could also potentially reduce the amount of man, man ups. Uh, whew, Just kind that, of threw a lot at you. Yeah, it might have been a riddle my, it, or a haiku. Yeah, I mean, throw some salt on my head right now because my brain is officially a pretzel. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, like if, if that, if what you're saying is that there are going to be more crease dives because guys are trying to, you know, kind of bail themselves out a little bit, I'm all for that. So, um, you know, I don't think the guys will be, listen, NBA soft, softest could be yep. the softest of soft. It's Charmin ultra times bounty times, whatever. Uh, so I don't think that, you know, that's really in lacrosse's DNA, to to try to do whatever you can to draw a foul there like I, i'm not gonna see guys like just pull up from you know five and five and and just try to draw contact just to get a, a foul um so you know I, I think if guys are gonna go airborne um chances are it's gonna end in a, in a sick ass highlight more than it will just like some guy trying to bail himself out and draw a penalty uh so i was I was confused from the get-go, and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm yep. still confused. So I yeah, think we'll, I, I, I don't think we're going to be seeing a, <laughs> seeing a problem there. I like I like the outside of the box thinking, uh, but I, I think that I'm 
I, I, I might need to get uh, uh, on some on some medicinal strain and really think that one over. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but hot seat though, do we agree? Goalies knees. Yeah, I mean, listen, like that's the only problem. Here's the thing. Time, here's that's the thing. Why it's been goalies, ten, ten, you shouldn't yeah. have been standing there. Yep. Get, there's no reason the goalie should be in the crease. There get is. off the tracks when the train is coming through. Uh, speak. Oh my God. Speaking of, a, I just uh, in my head just came up with the visualization of Dahoga going airborne. <laughs> Wait, I was thinking of that, that too. Fuck. When you said the train is on the tracks, the absolute unit flying oh. through the crease. Oh my God. If you're an America East goalie right now, I would, uh, I would definitely, <laughs> I would definitely load up on some knee pads, maybe some knee braces, but uh, so, I mean, moving on from, from the new rules this year, there's obviously a ton to be excited. Wait, wait, real quick, b- before we move on, which one are you more excited about? The crease dive, which I think, or the shot clock? Yeah, I mean, listen, like, cr- the crease dive is, one, exciting as shit to watch, and two, like, it's, like, great for business. One, because of the podcast name. Two, because it, it great highlights are great for social media and shit like that, so that'll be good for the Instagram. Some, some people do call you the gift master for, of lacrosse. Yeah, I think like I think like you and my mom do, um, which (laughs) constitutes a sum. Uh, Easier dog. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As soon as she learns English, she'll be uh, saying that as well. And as soon as my dog learns English, she will be telling us about what she's also most excited about coming into this college across season. uh, Because you know, aside from the new rules, like this again, we say this every year. You know, it's it's this is a season coming up here that is going to be absolutely loaded with talent, uh, you know, individually and team wise. And, you know, something that I'm really excited for is to watch how some of the uh, these new programs do. So you mentioned this before, Utah getting the season started tonight against Vermont. And, you know, we mentioned the the coaching staff there and, you know, what this program has been able to do over the years to get themselves to the NCAA D1 level. Uh, So, you know, I'm not only excited to watch how they do, you know, in terms of wins and losses, but I'm excited as shit to watch those games because I don't know if any of you have seen the pictures of Utah practicing, but their facilities and that location and like next level, it is so goddamn like it is fucking gorgeous like if it's like out of a movie the mountains right behind it yep it's like incredible if, I, I played up at Vail uh in summer league tournament and it reminds me of Vail. yeah it, except it's actually division one lacrosse and it's happening it's like the game it's happening it's utah lacrosse is here it's like it's like you if you're a kid watching that game on t- like if you get a game at utah at the right time like right as that sun's setting and you're a high school kid watching that game on tv like i don't know how you don't be like all right yep that's that's where I'm going to school. And the more pack the more Pac-12 schools that start getting in on that, it's it's fucking over because that I is mean, gonna be such an easy yeah. recruit. USC has women's lacrosse already, and they're very good. But I, if USC men's lacrosse, if they get a Division One team, it's going to be absolutely game over. There's going to be zero chance any of these programs are going to be uh, trying to recruit against a kid going to USC. Yeah. I'm not sure what's not to like there. Uh, uh, but that also being said, though, speaking of new programs, St. Bonaventure. Uh, step of the way in Division One lacrosse. Uh, you know, that's probably going to be a, a tougher sale for the next couple of years recruiting-wise. But, you know, we, we always say it's incredible to see, uh, you know, college across growing, the sport growing, fastest-growing sport on two feet. So uh, the Bonnies are back. The Bonnies are just starting. But um, <laughs> Bonnies um, are back, baby. Hey, but they got, a, they got a game this weekend against High Point, another relatively new program. So uh, pumped to see that one. Obviously pumped to see a new face uh, in, in the visual on the cross. 
Yeah. Yes. I mean, listen, the more the merrier. And uh, I mean, more teams coming in, that means that there are more uh, scholarships to be had. And that is good for the entire sport. Uh, and speaking of guys on scholarship, uh, so who who are you thinking, you know, who are your guys who you're going to have your eye on all season long? Like you're like, these are the guys who are going to control the game from pretty much start to finish the season. I think that there's like a general consensus on like three, four players out there. There's probably three or four that you and I could both easily say. So, so who with with no hesitation. So basically what I'm getting at here is who is your way too early to Wharton winning prediction? Uh, It's so I would like to say Pat Spencer, obviously. Not obviously, because some people wouldn't, but I'm not going to go with him. I think he had it. He, I was even questioning him. Granted, this all being said that I'm about to say, I picked Loyola to win the national championship when it came down to the final 16 teams. But I thought past Pat Spencer was going to have a relatively choppy uh, season last year, coming off of an extremely hot sophomore season. But now he's a senior. And... You know, there, there's something about an attackman where he's he's not one-dimensional, right? He can go be both hands easy. Uh, he could shoot the shit out of the ball. He could finish like a Canadian. But he's also probably the best feeder in the game. There's just something about this year where I, I, I feel I, – I just feel it. I, I don't know. I just feel like he's going to have like a – like a 19 to 26 goal season, you know, some other role players loyal are going to step up and it's going to be a little different. I don't know if he's going to be able to, to put up toward in like numbers. Wow. Robbie. Hey, Robbie. Yeah. Faden, Pat. I mean, Pat Spencer's my pick. Um, okay. I, I think that he is, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's been the best lacrosse player in, in the nation for a while I now. 100% I, I agree. Th- I think that, <laughs> Um, I think that maybe his age ha- has just kind of hindered him a little bit when it comes down to giving out the Twarton. Um, I mean, no disrespect to Ben Rees or anything. I mean, had a monster year last year and winning the national championship always gives you a little bit of an edge there in the voting. I, I think what Pat Spencer does um, for his team, there there's only a few other guys who can do that. Um, you know, and those are the other guys that we'll talk about, guys like Jeff T, guys like Michael Sowers, um, trying to think about who else is out there that's really gonna i mean those are the guys right now that it's like i think with the shot clock and with those guys getting more touches more possessions and a little bit more urgency i think that all three of those guys will probably have triple digit points this year yeah uh, I can see that. I don't know. There's, I have a feeling there's going to be some uh, some diamonds in the rough. The kid I got my eye on, he got hurt first game of the season last year. Grant Ament from Penn State. He's a Nova boy, right? Or a Philly boy? Yeah, he's, he's from the area. Yeah, he's a yeah. Cool so you can be a little biased towards that. But uh, I think he's one of the most electric players to watch in college across. He's quick as shit he can shoot the ball he finishes fantastic feeder um you know anytime you know you just tore your acl uh recently anytime you bounce back from an injury you know you come back hungrier etc you know you you play you know last year the kid played all fall ball he comes back early you know uh to start the college season in january gets to the first game tears his acl so uh, this kid's been salivating over this season for 
you know, 365 days. And I, I think that kid's going to have a massive, massive year for Penn State. Uh, that, that team is loaded offensively. And I, I think this is the year that they, they're going to finally make a, a legitimate deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, uh, great. But, 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 uh, but Grant Ament is going to be my um, – because I'm going outside the box just, of like just our a, four to just, five yeah, people. A little, you know, a little dark horse to keep your eye on. I mean, yeah. the kid had like 60 points probably a couple years ago. And, uh, I mean, when you got a, a player like Mac O'Keefe or you're playing on an attack line with, and exactly. you can just rack up assists playing with that kid, then, yeah, I mean, you're going to – the point totals are going to be there as, as long as both of those guys can stay healthy. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, Penn State, it, I mean, they're a team that like – like Jeff Tambroni took over that program, and I mean, like you think Tambroni, Cornell, like you figure he'd he'd be getting these guys a little bit further into the tournament than he has so far. I don't really know how many tournament wins Penn State has had since Tambroni. I I, I want to say zero. I want to say zero as well. Right? So like I feel like this is a year where uh, is Jeff Tambroni coaching for his job. I think so. I mean, the, guy, the guy's roster is pretty loaded, and he's yet to make a legitimate deep run in the playoffs. And he's playing at Penn State too. Yeah, and they just built a brand new facility as well. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, yeah, that, yeah. Penn State's been a pretty uh, all of preseason. They've been a pretty trendy pick to make it to the Final Four. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, ba- I'm gonna be basic and roll with the Nittany Lions, even though I'm I'm not a very big panda, fan of Penn State. Um, that's going to be my, uh, my, my sleeper team and grand man's going to be my sleeper player to watch uh, this year. Yeah. I mean that, that Robbie, that's a, that's a good, I think that we're going to look back on this episode, uh, a few months down the road and Robbie O is going to call that one. Cause I can definitely see that as well. You talked me into it. You're kind of talking me into Penn state as well, even though I don't really trust Hambroni that much, but, uh, you know, speaking of a team like a pen, you know, a team that you want to see be successful in college across in order for the game to be as great as it can be. Uh, so Penn state's obviously one of those teams. I feel like lacrosse is going to be great when Penn state is great. Now a team who has been on a downswing for, you know, they were on a downswing for the last few years. They've been creeping back into it right now. And according to the USILA coaches poll, they are a preseason top 20 team. I am talking about the Georgetown Hoyas And that is a team in the Big East who you should clearly keep your eyes on this year. I think that this is a team that can make a ton of noise, ton of noise in uh, in college across this year. And I mean, listen, the the Big East could pretty. I mean, not that they win the their conference in the tournament play, but like. With, no, it's with, pretty. It's pretty even across the slate. Well, what I'm saying though is, with Denver losing Trevor Baptiste, like I don't know who they have in the lineup there at the faceoff position. So like teams are going to start to be able to get a lot more possessions against Denver, especially with the shot clock and everything. So I think that you know when when you think about Big East lacrosse, like it, it used to be like Denver and then a big old gap, and then the rest of the rest of the teams in that conference. I think it's going to be a whole lot more even this year, and I think that uh, I think that Georgetown's going to be a, a team that is uh, that that's right to uh, take that conference. Yeah, I mean they had a huge, huge uh, last six games uh, to end their um, to end their 2018 season. Uh, I'm 50-50 on them. Uh, I think they were an extremely senior heavy team, a lot of good chemistry and leadership. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of new faces. People are going to need to step up. Uh, you know, freshmen become sophomores. That's when they start taking a little bit more charge. Um, 
not crazy about Georgetown as they're going to like break breakout. If anything in the Big East, I've always been pretty pretty Nova heavy. Um, I think especially with this shot clock, D middies are going to be even a bigger factor uh, this year. It's going to be harder to substitute guys on and off the, uh, the field. Uh, Villanova has some of the best D middies in the country. Uh, they have a five-year starter um, at, in, in the keeper position. I, I don't know, man. I, there's there's something about Villanova um, that always, always keeps you coming back to them. I don't know if it's their uh, navy blue, Carolina blue unis or <laughs> what it is, but I'm a big Nova fan. Yeah, I mean, they're a, uh, you know, as a Philly guy, actually Philly never really knows how to, Philly's like 50-50 on whether or not they claim Villanova. Like Philly claims Villanova when they win. <laughs> Philly, Philly, Villanova's not Philly. Well, they, they we claim Villanova when they win national championships in basketball, and then when they don't, it's like, uh, you know, they're out in the main line. Um, I, I'm still just, Villanova is going to need to have a massive season to redeem themselves to me because their performance against Duke in the tournament last year, like that's that's my last memory of Villanova lacrosse was just getting shit pumped by by Duke in the tournament. Um, so you know, I, you got a lot of hate by the way for <laughs> before that episode. Yeah, well, you know, I, you called it. You called it though. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to have some some tough love there. But you know, so that's like my lasting memory of. La- I mean, last year was a great year for for the Wildcats, but I mean, that's my lasting memory. So I, I feel a lot more comfortable in a team. I mean, Georgetown went from what four and ten in two thousand seventeen to then twelve and four in two thousand eighteen. So like that jump right there, and then I think that they're they're only going to continue to get better. So I mean, Georgetown. So, so you you have them over Villanova though in the Big East. Yeah, I would I would say uh-huh. that Vill it's like Villanova, and then obviously I mean Denver's like still going to be nasty, yeah, but it's I'm, it's just a different beast. I feel, I feel I feel like everyone's forgetting about Denver now, now that Trevor Baptiste is gone. Yeah, I mean they still got uh you know they they still got Austin French, they still got probably yeah, they're, they're pretty loaded on the on the backside defense as well. Probably my favorite underrated my favorite shooter in college lacrosse in Ethan Walker just. Oh, lefty gang. Lefty Lord gang. He, he's he's almost a staple boy for the crease stuff. Yeah, I would say he, that if, if there was one shooter in college lacrosse that epitomizes everything that this podcast is all about, it's Ethan Walker. Um, so cool. I mean, it, it just depends on, uh, on on how often they're getting the ball now that they don't have Baptiste taking those face-offs. Uh, but yeah, is, is there, uh, you know, are, are there any other dark horses that you've got your eyes on this year? Or as uh, I, I think, I, I think that your call with uh, with Penn State was a good one, so we could probably leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just leave it at Penn State. Penn, but yeah, Penn State far. and Georgetown. I think that those are two, uh, you know, maybe yeah. two, two dark horses there. I mean, well, neither of them. Are... We'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep our eyes on them. Although I might be fading you a little bit with the Georgetown comparatively to Vill- Villanova, but I could see uh, I could see Villanova get off, to, or sorry, I could see Georgetown get off to a underrated like six and zero start. Be one of those teams, kind of like Vermont was last year. Yo, the Catamounts. Uh, but, yeah, so speaking of teams that aren't dark horses, though, let's uh, real quick run through these top 10 teams in the preseason rankings, starting off with your 2018 national champions, the Yale Bulldogs, who, uh, you know, sure, they lost Ben Reeves, but then they turn around and bring in T.D. Erlin. Uh, Kevin Durant. <laughs> 
No. Well, you know, maybe. Hey, listen, it worked for KD. He got a ring. And also now TD Erland gets a fucking sick-ass degree out of Yale. Uh, so yeah, yeah, can't take that away from you. A Yale degree. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't just hand those out. So the Yale Bulldogs, obviously, on top. Uh, the Duke Blue Devils losing a good a good friend in Justin Gutterding, but I mean Duke, uh, you know oh, they're gonna man. do the same shit though that they always do. They're gonna have a rough first month of the season. Everyone's gonna be like, oh well, this is the year. Duke's not gonna be there anymore, and then it's gonna be like, ah, shut the fuck up. Like we're gonna turn it on in April and May because that's what Duke does. So don't ask Yeah, don't don't be surprised to see Duke fall from the number two spot in the rankings in the first couple of weeks of the season here, but they'll be right back up there later. Then you got the Maryland Terps. They lose Connor Kelly, but uh, listen, if, if we're talking about uh, freshmen to keep an eye on, real quick shout out to Springfield Delco's Kyle Long. He'll, he'll be running some midi there with the Terps. And, uh, you know, if you're talking about feeders early on about Pat Spencer, this kid is going to be racking up assist on assist on assist. At four, we got the Loyola Greyhounds. Then at five, Jeff Teat and the Cornell Big Red. Ever heard of them? Six, Virginia. Oh, actually, Virginia, that's going to be another. They're not like a dark horse, dark horse. Because yeah, it's yeah, like, but but I, I know they've kind of fallen off the map a little bit as far as Virginia lacrosse goes. Yeah, I mean. I get what you're saying. Vir, it, it, is, it is time to take Virginia lacrosse as serious as you've taken them before. Um, and listen, I, I, I hate to keep getting all uh, jazzed up on, on Philly lacrosse here, but I mean, that is a, a big time Philly area loaded roster, Matt Moore, Doc Aiken, Jeff Connor. So, I mean, that's just gritty, gritty lacrosse right there coming out of the Philly area. So I can see them just greasing their way to Memorial day weekend. So Virginia at six Hopkins at seven. I say this all the time. College lacrosse is always best when Johns Hopkins is running shit. Then we got Denver at eight, your Penn State Nittany Lions at nine, and uh, Notre Dame at ten. Notre Dame, uh, yeah, tough situation for Notre Dame this season. They're going to be without Ryder Garnsey. Uh, he's he's academically ineligible for this season. So uh, you know Ryder's a, a friend of the program. So it, it sucks that we won't be able to see him out on the field this year. Yeah. Uh, but I mean he'll come back better next year. And uh, yeah, then uh, you know leading the way. Oh. Shit, we didn't even mention at number 11, the Syracuse Orange, which leads us right into this week's interview. Uh, we've got a guy goes by the name of Casey Pal. Maybe ever heard, heard of him. Have you <laughs> ever heard of him? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this episode right now, you probably saw the Casey Pals, our guest, because of the title of the episode. But, uh, yeah, right now, let's kick it over to CP22. The man himself. All right, and joining us right now, we've got a man who probably doesn't need much of an introduction. Uh, it's my pleasure to bring on to the podcast the one and only CP. We've got Casey Pal on the mic. Casey, how are you doing, and what are you up to these days? Oh, I'm great, Jordy. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, big fan of yours, and uh, you're a great ambassador for the game, so I'm excited to talk lacrosse with you here. I'm uh, currently in Chicago. I'm uh, director of player development for a lacrosse club called Team One. One. Uh, I've been here since, since September, and uh, this week it really got real with the weather where I thought about moving back to Florida real quick. But no, I've had a, had a great time here. Uh, it's a great organization, and uh, I'm excited to uh, build something special here in Chicago. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously by the time that people are listening to this episode, it'll be Friday. We're recording this one right now on Thursday. We were supposed to record yesterday, Wednesday, but Chicago obviously dealing with, uh, it's basically Antarctica out there. And, uh, so, so why you, uh, you lost power last night in the middle of minus 50 degree weather out there is how was that? Oh man, it, w- it was not good. Uh, I feared for my life a bit. I haven't been this cold. I don't. I can't remember being this cold. Um, I obviously grew up in northern New York, lots of snow, and it wasn't warm by any means. But uh, this is uh, it's frigid, and uh, we uh, lost power for for a couple hours yesterday, and it, it dropped quickly in our house. Uh, uh, most of the restaurants, all the schools, and uh, everything was closed yesterday, and uh, we tried to tuck in our house and. Uh, watched a little Netflix, but then the power went off and uh, it got real. So we weren't sure what to do. We hung tight uh, by a, uh, a wood stove <laughs> for a little bit, but uh, it turned out okay. Thanks for your concern. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, uh, I mean, dude, shit. I've just been watching videos all week online of all the shit that's going down in Chicago. We got people just like putting... I, I've been seeing like people's hair just being frozen, like straight up and down people's shirts being frozen up and down. looks like a post-apocalypse over there. But, uh, but yeah, so you're in Chicago now and you said you've been there for a few months at this point. Um, you know, what's, what's that city been like? I mean, obviously lacrosse has been growing further and further out West over the last few years. I think, uh, you know, Chicago is becoming one of those areas now that can be a nice little hotbed. So you got your team one over there. Also, uh, it looks like Chicago, I feel like Chicago most likely be one of the stops for this first summer of the Premier Lacrosse League as well. I know that they were uh, one of the finalist cities to to get a weekend. So, like, what's what's the lacrosse scene like in Chicago? I feel like uh, you know a lot of people listening to this podcast probably Northeast, but uh, what what Chicago got to offer these days? Well, I've been fortunate to travel a lot and see a lot of different lacrosse areas. I've spent a lot of time helping to try, try to grow the game and um, get more people to play it and and be an ambassador like yourself for the for the sport um, big advocate because of the experiences and the friendships and how great the game is I, I really saw that there was an opportunity here in the Illinois area uh, for the cross growth I think they needed um, a little bit of boost in terms of culture and uh, there, there was an opening so I jumped on it uh, because of the possibilities here I'm uh, very excited about the opportunity to help grow it and grow it the right way and uh, we're trying to add a, a nice positive punch to the culture uh, and really try to uh, launch this thing. Um, I think, you know, there used to be a couple pro teams here. And uh, certainly, you know, I've reached out on Twitter to the PLL to try to get them here. But um, there's a lot of great people in town, a lot of great lacrosse players and great, great lacrosse personalities who would be welcome. Um, the uh, Premier Lacrosse League and, and others to come through. So this is an exciting time in in the Midwest, and I'm fired up to be a part of it. Yeah, it's definitely a nice little kick ass sports town. So it'd be great to see lacrosse really start to kind of take over a little bit there. Uh, speaking of you growing the game in different areas, I know that you you've been growing the game in Florida the past few years, and and not necessarily the. Uh, your, your typical field lacrosse, but you've got uh, speed lacrosse going on. I, I know that you, you were down in Florida for a while with that. You probably uh, still I just seeing uh, videos of you and 
good old big daddy blazer down there playing some speed <laughs> lacrosse. So, uh, you know, for, for anyone who hasn't, uh, you know, been able to see what that's all about so far, uh, you know, what, what is speed lacrosse? And it looks like just before you jump in there, just as a, a quick little, my understanding of it is it's basically like, like take, uh, you know, like if you're playing like fiddlesticks with your friends, only make it like, if it's like a nice combination between fiddlesticks and actual lacrosse to where it looks like the most fun time, like there, there's no contact. So you don't need to worry about like getting hacked by a defenseman. Like that's the worst part of lacrosse is when some jackass is just slamming <laughs> down on your wrist. Oh, you know, uh, so it, it's, it's just all gas lacrosse and, and it looks like it's, it's a hell of a time. So, uh, you know, what, what's speed lacrosse up to these days? Well, uh, first of all, I wouldn't say that there's no contact at all. This is uh, this is backyard ball at its finest. This is the type of lacrosse that I grew up with, with my neighbors and my brothers playing in the backyard. Uh, I uh, towards the end of my career, I really took a look back. Hey, why were why was I so successful at the game? Why were my brothers so successful? Why was Jason Kaufman, who lived two blocks down, why is he the all-time leading scorer? We all came from the same small town. Well, it wasn't the fancy club teams or the all-star teams or anything like that. It was really, uh, we built ourselves in our backyard uh, playing this style of lacrosse. We jumped the fence and would play wall ball next door. And then nightly we'd play uh, this version of speed lacrosse. So speed lacrosse is is a game that I grew up playing. Um, It's three on three. We formalized the rules and um, it's a, it's a ton of touches. It's it's a lot of fun. It's competitive. It's three V three lacrosse. 3v3 lacrosse with a with a um, softer ball you play it without pads just like we did in the backyard and it's an exciting uh, way to play the game uh, tons of touches um, you can push on defense a little bit you can't crank it but um, it's it's just been a lot of fun it's and mostly not only is it a great developmental tool but it's a, it's a great way for people to be able to sample the game and and learn to fall in love with the game before they become all in so we've used it as a way for people to try it out all you need is a stick to get out there and it's almost a lot of the same rules as basketball where it's back and forth full court there's only there's no face off so you just start with a stick flip at the beginning and uh, it's constant three on two so it's a ton of fun you can it's a great workout it's great for development and uh, it's certainly um, you know most importantly it's a great way for people to sample the game and um, uh, it's a big factor of uh uh, why lacrosse is growing so much. So we uh, started it in Florida. Uh, we do it on the beaches. Our slogan's anyone, anywhere, anytime. And that's the purpose of it is to try to get more people to play the game and current players to continue their love and passion for it. All right. So anywhere, anytime. So I'm I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So obviously the, the pal family, you guys are uh, pretty, you guys are legends of the game. So you got yourself, your brothers, Ryan and Mikey. Uh, there, there have been some other great lacrosse families in the past. Uh, so, well, and you know, not the past, but also in, in the present, but you know, we've got families like the Stanwicks families, like the Thompson brothers. Um, you know, we could also maybe, is, is there, is there a third gate that I'm missing or is there just Paul and Gary? That was the yeah. rumor back then, but no, I don't think so. Well, I, I think that those two on their own could probably just field a team and play shorthanded, but for sure. So, so let's say that there's a tournament between the Gates, the Pals, the Thompsons, and the Stanwicks in speed lacrosse. Your best three v three teams. Who's taking home the championship in that tournament? Oh, I mean, you know, are you talking the Pals in their prime or the Pals right now? 
let's let's do a little bit of both. Let's go. Let's go. Everybody in their prime. Okay. Well, the Powell's in our prime. We're gonna win. We're gonna we're gonna win. Uh, we're gonna beat. Uh, we're gonna beat the Thompsons with intensity and, and a little bit of a size differential. Um, and uh, I think my brother Ryan's pretty sweet in goal on the three and a half by three and a half uh, goals. So, and I don't know who'd play goalie for them for the Thompsons. Uh, I think the Stanwicks would be would would be great, but when you compare New York to to Maryland lacrosse, New York's head and shoulders above. So I see, uh, you know, the Powells and then the Thompsons possibly, and and yeah, I think uh, the Gates could be a three man team, just the two of them, and probably beat everybody. <laughs> what about uh? So what about now? So obviously the the Stanwicks and the Thompsons, they're probably have the age advantage at, at the current moment. Not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you could still get out there and, and yeah. rip around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen you messing around out there with blazer, Yep. but yep. so, so current state right now, I, I guess, I guess the pal, the pals probably would have a little bit more difficulty keeping up, although they could probably still just shoot the shit out of the ball. So that's, you know, you don't really need to run that much when you can just stick it from like 20 yards out, but yeah. Who are you? Well, I think who are you going with him? my brother Ryan's really out of shape right now. My brother Mike, he could probably score five goals with a guitar. He wouldn't even use a lacrosse stick. He would just use a guitar and probably score five goals. But uh, no, the Thompsons—they're—they're they're killing it right now. They're—they're—they're they're, uh, they're on top of the lacrosse world. Um, I love what they continue to do and what and how they represent the sport and themselves. And uh, I think they'd probably take it down right now. But let's not—let's not also not. Forget about the Queener family, all right? The little co-ed version of the game. Those guys, you might even put Blazer on that team just because he's he grew up close enough to them. Uh, that'd be a pretty formidable opponent as well. Uh, you know, they dive for balls out of bounds. Uh, they they swear, they scratch and claw. So they'd be they'd be a tough competitor. Yeah, I mean that the game. See, you mentioned the Blazer there. The game seems like a, the perfect form of lacrosse for for Blazer Reardon. It. It's. Uh, doesn't seem like fundamentals is, is too important in speed lacrosse. And that's, that's what we love on this podcast. We love creativity. We, I mean, any, any high school coaches out there listening, you can cover your ears a little bit, but we don't, we don't want to see guys out there just shooting high to low bounce shots. Like we want to see creativity in the game and, and just going for it, sending it full sends. And that's, uh, that's what blaze is all about. So it's, it's great to see you guys kind of connecting on that, on that, uh, version of the game. No doubt. Uh, blaze is definitely, you know, the best at the full send, but not only is this sport, you know, made for, for him, but the fact that you don't have to wear a helmet. So all his fans can see his face. I mean, that's just going to grow the game. You know, the more people that can see blaze Reardon without a helmet on, the more lacrosse is going to grow. He's, he's out there just sending his uh keep keeping some cards in his pocket with his numbers in there passing them out in the crowd he's, uh, <laughs> yeah he's, he's having himself a pretty good time in, in Philly right now so uh you know the wings are lucky to have him hey hopefully the wings will, goddamn uh we're gonna probably uh have have a little bit of a therapy session here at some point in this interview with how bad the the, <laughs> the wing season has been going but uh we, we can get more onto that later okay uh but let's uh let let's talk about Syracuse real quick, uh, because they uh they don't start their season this weekend I don't believe but they uh they'll they'll get it going next week against Colgate 
have you been able to really keep up with with cues lately these days, or you uh, you, you just got too much other stuff going on? No, I uh, I certainly keep up with them. I mean, I'm a diehard. Uh, it's the winningest lacrosse program in history. They've won more national championships than any other university. Um, so yeah, I'm very up to what Syracuse uh, does and continues to do, and uh, I'm certainly excited for this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously a, a tough break last year going up against a, a sick Cornell team in the uh, in the tournament, but could definitely uh, could definitely go on a nice little run here in the ACC this year. Uh, now going down the roster, obviously there's one thing that is definitely missing. Uh, on the Syracuse team, and that is a number 22. Uh, now, obviously, you, your brothers, all famous for wearing it. Um, also, uh, you know, you got the Gates, you got, you know, Cody Jameson. Um, so the the number 22 at Syracuse, obviously there's a ton of, uh, I, there's prestige that goes into it, there's honor that goes into it, but there's also a little bit of added pressure and I think we've we've seen that with, with some of the guys in the past who have worn it after you and your brothers, um, where you know there's there's just that that kind of pressure being a number twenty two at Syracuse, and you know we see it with other places, you know like Maryland with the number one. Um, but so obviously you know there are people out there that are now saying like oh well maybe they should just retire the number twenty two. I don't necessarily agree with. I, I don't know what your take is on that. Like I think that. Like if, if you're a recruit going to Syracuse, like you should want to be a guy who wears that number, but you know, what, what kind of player do you think it takes to, you know, not only be able to wear that number, you know, to have the talent to wear that number, but to also just be the the all around type of guy that can carry the weight that a 22 Syracuse orange Jersey carries. Well, yeah, it's kind of, it's a bummer. I don't think it should be retired. Um, I think it should live on. And um, I think that, uh, you know, the star, the stars will align and, and a, uh, you know, likely 22 will come along hopefully better than, than anyone before him. Um, I think that one of the things that the number, uh, meant to me was it, it was my dream. Um, it wasn't, it was when I first started playing lacrosse and when I first started pretending to be Gary gate in the backyard, um, I was scoring goals as number 22 fantasizing to be Gary gate several years before, uh, Coach Simmons pulled me to the side in fall ball and said, hey, I, I would dare you to wear number 22. Um, so it was a lifelong dream of mine. It's something that I always shot for, something that I always wanted to be. Um, so when I was asked to wear the number, um, it was a dream come true. So uh, for me, uh, I expected to wear it. Um, it's what I trained for. It's what I wanted to be. And I went out there and made it happen. Um, oddly enough, Syracuse, fast forward, since it started with Gary Gate, went to 22 straight Final Fours. Um, that streak was broken at 23, but we went to 22 straight Final Fours wearing that number 22. Uh, Ten years wore it on the back of uh, either myself or my brother, so we were lucky to be a part of that. Um, but uh, it all started with Gary Gate, and you know we we always loved Charlie Lockwood as well, and and um, you know nobody's ever let us down um, in terms of who's worn the jersey. Everybody's worn it with pride in class, and we're, we're proud of the of the players at Syracuse that do put it on. And uh, I'm I'm fired up to see who's going to wear it next. Yeah. Well, speaking of people who are wearing the number 22 next, uh, is, is the, I, we were talking before the interview and, uh, you, you said that the number 22 is, is still living in the pal family. Oh yes. Yes. Um, oh, that's the, the big news. Yeah. Big news. So 
uh, Powell will be wearing the 22 this year down when the Boca Jets. Uh, Bella Powell, uh, my Canadian-born daughter, who was born at the World Championships, uh, who's uh, uh, going to be 13 years old. She'll be rocking number 22 for the first time this year. So we're excited to, uh, for the Boca Jets season and see what Bella Powell does with the number 22. She's not afraid of the pressure. Yeah, well, I mean, the uh, the family's definitely had a ton of uh, ton of success with that number so far. So you know, I, I feel like it'll it'll definitely continue there. Um, <laughs> and uh, so so again, so speaking of you know the pal name and and kind of the the legacy that goes along with it, uh, you guys also have pal lacrosse. Uh, so you guys is, now who's is is Ryan mainly involved with with that? Uh, with with the equipment company, yes, yeah, so, yep. So we uh, we sell lacrosse sticks and equipment. Ryan is the president of the company and runs it out of upstate New York. Uh, he's doing a great job with it. We're we're thrilled to be to uh, be representing um, our brand. We've repped other companies for for several years for the past fifteen years, and for and uh, over the past uh, four years now, we've had the opportunity to develop our own brand. We have an awesome stick called the Pioneer with a a number of different shaft choices. We just came out with our own uh, protective glove, and uh, we uh, we sell a lot of uniforms. So we're excited. Um, we're still a uh, new kid on the block, but um, we've had a lot of uh, um, experience in this industry helping other companies uh, engineer some of their equipment and their sticks and their protective, and it's nice to put our name to something that we believe in. We're certainly excited about the future of the game and the future of Powell Lacrosse. Yeah, and so with equipment, I actually I, I've got a, one of one of the pioneers right here. But uh, speaking of, so you know, with with all this new equipment in the sport of lacrosse, with all this new technology, the new you know the mesh and everything, um, like it is absolutely outrageous the amount of shit that you can do with all the new technology that goes into all this equipment. Um, you know, and, you know, for myself, like when I was in high school, like there was, you know, it was, it was getting there. Like that was right around, like when, you know, warrior and SDX were like really getting, uh, I guess, I don't know if like innovative was necessarily the right word because not a lot of the things necessarily panned out. Um, but they were like experimenting, but there was still, it was just like rock hard mesh and you couldn't really do too much with it unless you like put it in like a bathtub with a ton of like conditioner and shit like that to soften it up a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, for, you know, backtrack a little bit more <laughs> for yourself, we got a picture up here with you, you know, with, with the box helmet, um, you, you know, so like the stuff that you were using was so far behind what, you know, what kids these days can grow up using like right away. And, you know, even with stuff like the warp where you don't even need to know, um, a stringer anymore. So, you know, the question that I'm asking here is like, do you ever, do you ever look at the new technology right now and be like, holy shit. Like if I had that back when I was playing, like, obviously, you know, you're a four-time all American. So the numbers you put up were ridiculous already, but like, how do you think that you would have been if you got to use this type of equipment in your prime? You know, I, I go back and forth on it. Um, I kind of relate it to my golf game. Um, you know, my golf game uh, 20 years ago is is no better now than it was then, uh, and the equipment's a lot better. Um, I think uh, I would have adjusted and, and learned, but I think the offset was uh, certainly a, um, a great technology uh, that helped uh, put the ball in the... 
put the ball in the back of your net um, better, easier to carry. And then certainly uh, the stringing has become um, tighter. So there's, there's less room for error, and that's made sticks uh, a lot more accurate. So between the hold and the accuracy, um, it's made a big difference. And you see a lot of um, you know, players with, with a lot more equal stick skills than kind of it used to be. So it's a little easier, I think, now to handle the stick than it used to be. But it still takes a great deal of skill to be really good with it. And uh, there's a lot of really good players these days. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that that's just kind of one of the uh, one of the things I just try to tell myself so that I can sleep at night is maybe if back in high school, if I was able to use some of this equipment, I would have been dropping the ball as much. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> uh, but uh, so going off of my game a little bit. So I was actually uh, fortunate enough to play for the Casey Powell World Lacrosse Foundation team at the Lax All-Stars North America Invitational Box Tournament a couple years ago. So, you know, you you got to see me play there. So I, I think, you know, I probably did enough to impress you there to, um, you know, what, what, did, what did you think of my game at, at that point? So that was two years ago at that point, and uh, I think I've only gotten better since. Well, I mean, you're, you're blue collar, uh, you're gritty, you can uh, play both sides of the floor. Um, you're great. You're great in the locker room. That was, that was the biggest lie that has ever been told on this podcast. And there's been a few, few lies, but I cannot play defense for the life of me. Well, you couldn't tell, you couldn't tell in that tournament. I'll tell you that much, but no, I think any team would be lucky to have you. I know you've had some professional tryouts lately, but you know, stick with it. It's only a matter of time before you get picked up somewhere. And, and, uh, I'll, I'll certainly be, a your biggest fan will be ordering your jersey uh, when you're on the on the pro team. Hopefully, the wings, you know, take note that you're there to make a make a difference, and uh, you're a guy that could. Yeah, and and that'll be a nice little turnaround because uh, I'll have to put this out on our social channels, on our Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but you know, so you you wearing my jersey would bring this whole thing full circle because I'm gonna turn back the clocks a little bit. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, it must have been like 2004. I, I would have been in sixth grade. Took a trip down to Georgetown to watch uh, to watch your brother Mike in his senior year play against the Hoyas there. And so I'm there decked out. I got the uh, Cuse hat. I got the 22 jersey going. Uh, and then uh, I, I don't I don't know if you remember this or not because it was probably a pretty big moment. It was a big moment in my life, but it might have been maybe a bigger moment in your life. We got to meet up on the sideline, take a nice little picture. So. Uh, you know, you, you think you knew back in that moment, back in 2004, that you'd be on this podcast today? Oh, I had, I had no idea. No idea. And I had no idea that the four best lacrosse players in the country would be together on one, you know, at, at one field in Georgetown. But no, I, I, I've seen the picture. <laughs> you showed me the picture. Uh, it's awesome. Um, and I know that game that day, Mike broke the all-time Syracuse scoring record, which was held by Ryan and I. So that was a a moment in a game I'll never forget. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and uh, real quick, so uh, I want to real quick circle back. So mentioned the Casey Powell World Lacrosse Foundation when I was playing on that team at the uh, Lax All Stars tournament. Um, but that's another thing. So you got you know you got your team one going on the speed lacrosse involved a little bit with with the equipment side of things. Um, but I think probably the most uh, 
I'd say the most important one of all is the World Lacrosse Foundation and the work that you guys do, uh, you know, for lacrosse players who are in need. Um, it's an incredible thing that, that you've got going on. And I, I'm sure that a ton of people know about it already, but, you know, there are definitely going to be some people that may not have heard of it yet. So um, why don't you tell everyone about World Lacrosse Foundation and just all the incredible stuff that you guys have been doing. I will. Thank you. And thanks for the opportunity. And certainly thank you for playing for my squad and bringing awareness to it. We uh, started the World Lacrosse Foundation, um, both myself and Heather Chase O'Neill, who's the executive director. Um, We started after the World Championships in Denver in 2014. And I thought about, hey, what can I do to, to give back to the game that's given me so much? And um, there was kind of a need throughout my career with kids having cancer and injuries and sicknesses. And um, I thought, hey, let's uh, let's help lacrosse players in need. And that's really what we've become. Um, so we we create a network of support around individual families that need need help and uplifting and healing. Um, we create a network of support uh, by way of getting other professional players and college players and college coaches and college teams uh, to adopt players and and really uh, let them know that we're in their corner. And it's not a, it's not a one-time thing. We, we um, get um, put together with these families and we stay with them throughout. So there's a lot of uh, players that we've been with for multiple years, um, uh, either spinal cord injuries or uh, still battling cancer. And it's, uh, it's been the most rewarding thing that we've ever done. So um, it's, it's awesome. We have about eight families right now that we're helping currently. And um, again, always trying to raise awareness and, um, you know, try to find that next family that we can help. But we've created some unbelievable relationships and um, really shown uh, the, the greatness of lacrosse and the great community of lacrosse. Uh, there's been a lot of people that have helped support the World Lacrosse Foundation and, and they're helping uh, myself and our board and a group of ambassadors to, to help more uh, families. So it's awesome. And um, the more people we can get involved, the more people we can help. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that that's just, it's one of the best things about the lacrosse community. Like obviously the, the sports growing, it's getting bigger, uh, but it's still such like a tight knit community. And so it's, you know, to see, you know, lacrosse players taking care of their own, you know, when, when others are in need, it's, it's just a great thing. You know, the, the sport rallies around it just so hard, you know, whether it's, it's a, you know, a headstrong thing or, uh, you know, currently with Joey Sankey uh, and, and him just kicking the shit out of cancer right now. Um, and then all the stuff that you guys are doing at the World Lacrosse Foundation. So it's, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's part of the game that uh, doesn't get quite enough shine as it should, just how tight knit the community is and, and how everyone takes care of one another. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, even, you know, Joey Sankey is, you know, as he's going fighting his cancer, he's trying to find ways to help our foundation and help other kids. And he's, uh, he's certainly first class. So uh, certainly uh, you nailed that one, how great our, our community is and how tight we are is uh, awesome to be a part of it. And one of the reasons I, I think that we all want to continue to, the, to grow the game is because of uh, the greatness of the sport and within and all the amazing people. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, all right. So before I let you go though, I just need the, the season starts up. So everyone will be listening to this on Friday. So the season starts today with Utah and Vermont. We've got an entire season of college across ahead of us. So we've got a few months to go here, but I need your extremely early prediction on a national champion and a Twarton trophy winner. Okay. Well, on the spot here. Okay. Well, I, I, I have to go, um, 
with Pat Spencer for my uh, Tourton winner. I think that um, he's going to have a great year. Um, not that he hasn't in the past, but, you know, in, in, uh, in, with his experience and uh, the kind of team that they have, I think he's going to be my front runner for the Tawaratan Trophy uh, winner. Um, and then, you know, just in watching what Yale did last year was uh, really impressive. Um, Maryland, I love their culture. I love uh, Coach Tillman. Um, those are probably my top two teams. And, and then I'm going to go with uh, Virginia. I think Virginia is going to have, a, have an awesome year. Uh, Coach Tiffany uh, continues to get those guys moving in the right direction and, and play a kind of his style of ball. And, uh, and then I think uh, probably torn a little bit between Cornell and Syracuse. Um, I think they're going to be uh, up there as well. And then and Denver will be hanging around a little bit. But uh, my top two, I like Yale and Maryland as my top two front runners. And then I think the rest of the race is wide open. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, right on there with, with all those with you. So, yeah, Pat Spencer, absolute freak. Uh, so, and oh my God, especially with the, uh, especially with the shot clock now where he's going to have the green light to just go whenever he wants, yep. he's going to be filling the back of the net all season long. Um, actually I, I lied. I still do have one more question for you. Yeah. So the Philadelphia wings right now, you know, they've been, they've been grinding. They, you know, they've been putting together some good win or some good games, but they haven't found a win yet. So they're Oh, and six to start the season. Obviously, they need just one more little piece of the puzzle there to really put them over the hump in order to finally start stringing a few wins together. Is there any chance that CP22 can come out of retirement and strap it on for Philly? I wait by my phone every day, Jordy. I wait by my phone every day. You called, but the wings haven't yet. So when, uh. when I saw your Philly number pop up, I already had my jersey on. I was taping my stick ready to go. But it, it was just you. I'll uh, I'll, I'll put one in, in Paul Day's ear hole and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get you out there. Awesome. All awesome. right, okay. So, well, yeah, I appreciate you coming on here, and uh, definitely going to have to have you on again, especially if Cuse finds himself in Championship Weekend. All right. Thanks again to Casey for hopping on the podcast and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have him back on a little later on in the season with Syracuse making some noise up there up North. Uh, but before we keep talking about Syracuse, we've got a huge slate of games to get into this weekend and it all starts today with Utah playing in their first game as an NCAA D1 program, and they're going up against the Vermont Catamounts, a team that, hey, in, in recent history has gotten off to some fire-hot starts, even though they are in cold-ass Vermont. Uh, nice. So Utah playing in their first game <laughs> against the Catamounts, the Ian Michaelis Catamounts, mind you, but still the Catamounts, the Dirty Cats. Robbie O, how are you feeling about the huge chances here? Um, the huge chances. Eh, before we get into that, let's just talk real quick for the new listeners. Uh, last, this is not 
Vermont is no stranger to being the first game of the NCAA Division One college across season. Uh, last year, they kicked it off with Furman. And I remember when we were previewing that game, you and I kind of didn't really know too much about it. We knew Ian McKay was going to be an absolute menace on the offensive side, coming off of an injury. He ended up being our second guest on the podcast uh, right after Justin Guttering. What up, dude? And... Um, we that that's when the Vermont Catamounts got off to a seven and zero start going into American East play when they took on Albany ended up getting smoked and didn't live up to the hype. But the Creestide boys were on Vermont as soon as the season started, and your boy Rabio is going to stick with Vermont. Uh, they lose Ian McKay, friend of the podcast, incredible across players, crushing it with the Bandits right now in the NLL. Uh, had a huge MLL season as well, um, but Vermont is one of those teams where, you know, you talk about gritting your, like, greasing your way into these wins, etc. They're so scrappy. Uh, they have an underrated defense. They have probably the best goalie in the NCAA that no one's talking about in Nick Walusha. Uh, correct me on the spelling and pronunciation, but this kid was getting preseason All-American votes. You know, having a great goalie, you know, the quarterback of the defense can still get three to four wins. Um, they thrive in the cold. And, you know, this is, I mean, Utah might fucking smack them by 10. Who knows? But that being said, uh, this Vermont team is extremely steady. Uh, I could see them, you know, just going down their schedule, you know, before they head into American East play. You know, this team can start off 5-1, and 4-2. and two, So uh, I like my chances with Vermont. I'm going to ride the Catamount train early this year uh, like I did last year. And um, fading the Utes in the first game. But uh, I think I think they're going to definitely give them a game. I don't I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. Um, and yeah, that, that starts off tonight at six p.m. So for the first game yeah. out of the boards, I'll be streaming it. Listen, I I need this right here to turn into. Oh, we we talked about it with Vermont Furman last year, but I Robert. need <laughs> I need Utah Vermont to be two teams who absolutely despise each other because I mean both of these places. They're skiing destinations, okay? Mm, I didn't like, think about that. Listen, you, you you go to the mountain. Are you going to Utah? Are you going to Vermont? Like, where are you bombing these hills? Where are you shredding up the fresh pow pow? There's they're both vying for that same tourist to try. Like so, like these are two. It, the lifeline of these these towns, these states, these whatever. It all depends on this game. Like if whoever. <laughs> I, I feel like whoever loses this game, you have to get rid of all of your mountains and no one can ever ski or snow. Delete again. the snow. So like, <laughs> You're not a skiing town anymore, city. Like I'm I'm talking like I feel like like if Vermont beats Utah, I feel like Vermont gets to go to Utah, go to their go to their mountains with like flamethrowers and just melt all the snow. Like you guys aren't doing this shit anymore. So like I need this to be a big time ski lodge deathmatch rivalry game. And and uh, yeah, I'm I'm riding with you, Dom. I'm going Vermont in this first game, uh, just because I don't want to be the asshole who who doesn't hop on the Catamount train right away. I think that they are going to be a big time force in the America East this year, especially with uh, you know Albany losing Fields and TD Erland. So I think you know America East is very much up for grabs right now. I think that Vermont can be a team to take that, and you know Utah. It's it's a lot. It, you're asking a lot of these kids to play on February 1st, the opening game of the season, as the new NCAA D1 program. I think that there's still going to be a lot of jitters there. There's there's going to be mistakes. I mean, listen, this is going to be a program that 
you know, they're going to find success very early on. I just don't know if it's like this early on. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm riding with you there on Vermont against the youths but yeah i'm, I'm hoping for for a close yeah, game and, and, I, and I, I, I mean and we like you touched on multiple multiple times these two teams absolutely hate each other so there will be no love lost mm -hmm. in this matchup uh, uh and then so speaking of the team that opened up the season last year against the catamounts we've got Furman taking on duke on saturday and i i mean we mentioned this earlier in the podcast Duke is not a team. Historically, they come out slow to start the season, um, and you know Furman is is a uh, you know they could they could pick them off right here. That's uh, if you're ever going to get a big upset win against Duke, it's probably going to come in the first month the, of the season. Yeah, so. and the first month, the first game, Furman's also home. You know that stadium is going to be popping. The student section is going to be wild. <laughs> no, um, you got to get a little extra jacked up for Duke. The only the only thing that's holding, oh, I was going to say the only thing that's holding Furman back is uh, the STX helmets, but then I realized that Duke also has them. <laughs> it cancels out. Yeah, so, so it's, a, it's a fair slate. <laughs> also, uh, the, the were the Paladins not deemed the, uh, the the meme team by you last year? Oh yeah, right. They had all the four. Oh yeah, they had the Fortnite sellies. They had um, they were coming out to some crazy uh, walkout music. The Yodel Kid remix. Uh, yeah, yes. that, that team was the meme team. There, Good call on that. A, Thank you. There's a there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of swag on that team for a team that went four and ten last year. A lot of swag on that team. Cocky and, season, I, mean, I they, love it. Yeah, they had a, a close game against North Carolina last year. OT, in right? Week of, yeah, and, and that was the first week of the season. Like, that's before North Carolina completely fell off and, and just got drunk the rest of the season. Um, so, I mean, Furman's a team that can come out on fire pretty early on in the season. I mean, they not necessarily on fire. They still lost, like, five straight to start the season. Um, but I don't know. I, I just think... I think Duke's going to come into this year uh, that, you know, that chip on their shoulder after losing in the national championship the year before, um, you know, that was the first time that they had been to the final four in like the last like four years. So when you think about a program like Duke, that's fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously you lose Justin Gutterding, who is uh, all time uh, goal scorer in college across history, but you still got Brad Smith, Mountain Lakes. So shout out Robbie <laughs> Um, and then uh, JT Giles, JT got, and then also, uh, he didn't come on until a little later on in the season, mostly the NCAA tournament, but one of the most electrifying players in the nation, Nakai Montgomery. Oof. Uh, so, I mean, when we're talking about some of the sellies that Furman broke out last year in the beginning of the season with all the Fortnite shit, Nakai Montgomery isn't only going to score against Furman, but then he's going to rip out their hearts uh, with, with the cell. Yeah, he'll, he'll be so, dancing on your grave a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I mean, listen, I would not be surprised for the ups. If Duke hadn't just lost in the national championship to end last year, I'd say that that would be a little bit better for Furman, but Duke's going to come into this game being like, all right, like let's get that taste out of our mouth real quick and, and kind of bully Furman around a little bit here. Agreeing with you there. Uh, I think they blow the doors off them. I mean, obviously, it's going to be sloppy first game of the season playing against, you know, you're not you're not scrimmaging each other anymore. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to have to worry too much about an upset in this one. Yeah. At and, cold uh, takes exposed. 
another team that was in the final four last year and they've been in the final four for like the past like decade like there are kids who are in college right now who have never once seen maryland not in the final four <laughs> Uh, but so we've got the Maryland Terps. They are hosting the Bucknell Bison, and that is Saturday at like one or something like that. So I already talked about uh, Kyle Long, freshman at Maryland, and you know, so listen, uh, he, he's going to have a nice little season here. But Maryland's offense is going to be running through Bubba Fairman, Jared Bernhardt. That is a lethal, lethal combination from the top and the bottom of your offense there. And uh, something that I think that really needs to be, uh, you know, I kind of want to start this right now. So Bucknell, I Talk I think me. that this is I think that this is going to be an absolutely abysmal year for Bucknell. And hear me out here, okay. Billy fucking McFarland. <laughs> Billy McFarland went to Bucknell. Now that all this fire festival shit is out there, now that the Netflix and Hulu documentaries are out there. Like that's bad. Like I do not want Billy McFarland to be an alumna of of my university of my program. So like Bucknell, like you've got that Billy McFarland stink on you right now, and I'm I'm just calling my shot right now. I I think that they are going to get fire fested this entire year. Okay, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I can see them being man up on a play, and you just have this cloud of Billy McFarland, you know, hovering over you, and you're you know not gonna be able to think straight. Uh, we'll, yeah, and, we'll and, like, see. and like think about it, like if 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 i'm bucknell lacrosse like i'm like checking out like all my boost i'm checking out my equipment room like you don't know billy mcfarland break into your equipment room did he try to steal all the shit sell it so that he could then like buy tickets to beyonce to give to his magnesis people like you never Connect know the dots. what this <laughs> what this fucking scumbag can be up to and unfortunately the lacrosse program might just have to you know, take one in the ass for it. So, um, I mean, listen, they, they had a, uh, you know, they had a pretty solid season last year, but now, now with, a, you know, 11 and four, 11 and four. It's you tough to, to it's tough team. to win 11 games. Maybe they, wait, they, uh, they got gypped out of the playoffs, correct? Or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pat Lacks, man, the Pat Lacks, the parody and Pat Lacks, you can't beat. Uh, but 11 and four last year, you would hate to see a team that had such great success last year get completely ripped down by Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule. Yeah, <laughs> Ja Rule. Fucking, fucking Ja Rule, man. Just ruining college across, at least for Bucknell. Mm. I, uh, I, got a, I got a weatherman connection down in the DMV. Uh, the game's going to be played at Maryland. He said it's going to be absolutely freezing. Um, if, I'm a, if I'm a betting man, I'm slamming the under on this one. Seen a 12-8, 13-9 kind of game. Uh, you know, you're going to get those first game jitters, plus the tundra, all that stuff. Uh, we probably watched the battle, the face-off X. Uh, All-American Shockey at Maryland versus the Patriot League. Um, All-American or All-Team Patriot for the past, like, three years, Witzel. Um, so that'll be nice. Uh, our goalie, Bucknell, is finally established, but... Uh, you know, they're losing Sands and a ton of their – kind of the whole team ran through him. Um, I, I, I don't know. This game's, this game's a toss-up for me. I'm taking Maryland here, but I, I see this one being close. Yeah, well, I, I kind of wish that I, I knew about your, your weatherman uh, little update there because, you know, cold weather, it, that's a – you know, I was, I was kind of hyping up uh, – Maryland's offense a little bit there, but kind of neutralized. 
you're you're playing you're playing a, a cold weather game. That's where you need your D to really step up. So uh, yeah, it, it'll be a little closer. But again, that fucking Billy McFarland man, I, really, <laughs> I, I I can't bring myself to ever pick Bucknell. Um, so that is my promise to all of you boys and girls listening at home. I will never once pick Bucknell to win a game until justice is served and everyone gets a cheese sandwich. Uh, moving on, we talked about this before. The the Bonnies, they are playing in their first game as well as the NCAA D1 program this weekend. They're taking on High Point. It's not exactly like a high-profile game, um, and I'm not even sure if there is a line up on this one on Lax Vegas uh, lines. What, what, what was the, the Maryland Bucknell line, by the way? Uh, so it is Maryland minus four against Bucknell. That over under at twenty two. So yes, I know Could the fade Robbie was. Could be a soccer bet. <laughs> you, th- you think? I think. That, I think that that one might be fifty. Yeah, I I would I would hammer hammer the under. I'm, ha- I'm hammering under there. I'm, I'm locking it, throwing the key out. I I, I yeah, this is gonna be a seven five kind of game. I went I went, yeah. I, went, I went I went from fourteen ten to seven five. Yep. Rabio not going to have to pay rent this week, or at least his bookie is going to pay it for him. Uh, but yeah, so the Bonnie's in high point. There's, we're not going to really talk about this one that much. I, I don't really have much to say about either team. Um, but I just, I just want to gut check time here. So neither of us were on Utah to win their first game against Vermont. Will there be a team winning their first game in NCAA D one program history this weekend? Will the Bonnie's pull out a win over high point? I want. This is just. Uh, no, I, I know this is just you asking. Um, you know, I, I want to say yes. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think so. I really don't know too much <laughs> about St. Bonaventure, the Bonnies, besides for uh, I bet on them a decent amount in basketball. Uh, other than that, uh, do, do you know too much about them? You got anything? I, no, I know absolutely uh, zero thing. I don't even know where, where is St. Bonnies. Is that like? I, 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 is that I like? Can, I, I could not tell you. I thought it was in. Are they uh, in New York? Are they by like Binghamton? Maybe they had St. Francis on St. Bonaventure. It is in. This, this is great radio, right? Yeah, now. it's in. I feel like it's 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 in upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, it's all right. Or Al, central, Al, central Allegheny, Allegheny, New York. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we probably won't make it out to a game this year because we don't know where it's at. But hey, I'm rooting for the Bonnies. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, I'm a hundred percent rooting for them. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, I, th- I think that they'll probably take a little bit longer to find success. Is it me or did, when Cleveland State got Division One lacrosse? I feel like that was like super hyped up and everyone was talking about it. I don't even know if St. Bonaventure snuck their way into this. Yeah, you know, well, they got, did you get what I'm saying they, there? No, but like I feel like they got announced like after Utah, so like everyone was already like buzzing on on Utah going D one. Um, so I, I I would say that they, it's probably better for them that they kind of snuck in there too, because like I don't think like, because like Cleveland Slate, like people were like, here we go, like new team, and, sh-, and then it's like, uh, well, you know they're struggling, so like then everyone just like loses interest. So like I don't know. If, St. Bonaventure's like I, this might be this is going to be locker room material. I'm not going to make a lot of friends from St. Bonaventure's with this one, but like I feel like they are a program that probably didn't want to handle massive amounts of publicity because they didn't want to be letting people down. Um, so probably better for them that they're kind of going unnoticed here. But uh, yeah, I'm that's, a, that's I'm going with uh, I'm going with St. Bonnie's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, it's, I'm it's, getting a rundown on their roster. You know, I don't know too much about these kids. I'm seeing a decent amount of, like, the Hill School, a lot of Canadians. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> they could be I, they could be scary against a high – I mean, I, no offense to High Point. You know, they're, they're not the best. I, w- I would go to war with a group of Canadians. Yeah, so fucking tough sons I mean, of bitches. If, if you're recruiting from up north, then, yeah, I, I think that you uh, – you know, that's probably the, the best – route to go for for these guys yeah yeah we got uh yeah right. so so with that being said a high point 21 to 7 yeah and uh but we did get our first robbio flip-flop of the season and it is more to one. come boys and, and girls. more to come and uh the, the final marquee game of the weekend of opening weekend it's uh it's both your teams here right so this is going to be a tough one for you personally <laughs> we've got the penn state nittany lions your penn state nittany lions favored three and a half goals against your villanova wildcats wow so i'm i'm gonna again i'm i'm still i'm still out on villanova until they uh this could be the weekend that that they pull me back in if they have a big win against against Penn State, especially at Penn State. Um, but but I, I think, I think I, I'm still a little hot and bothered over you talking about Grant Ament and, and also added Mac O'Keefe. Got you worked out. Some lacrosse porn. Yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to be definitely loading up my YouTube history on Grant Ament highlight videos, and I think that that is all I'm going to need to go with Penn State with the win, I'll I'll take Villanova with the with the points though. I think this could be a, a nice little one two goal game. Um, I am gonna go with you on Penn State game, and I am gonna fade you with the points. I think it's gonna be played indoors. The Penn State has that whole you know football indoor facility. That's where they practice every single day. That's where they have their indoor weight room. You know these guys. This is like their second home besides their classroom or their yes. Beside their classroom is their number one home, and then it's their dorm room. But then it's their whatever their sports facility field house is called. That's where they eat, sleep, breathe, study, get tutors. You know they're no stranger to this place. Uh, they're gonna be the, uh, they're, they're gonna be coming Jer- guns think blazing. I think it's the Jerry Sandusky. Uh, <laughs> are we still doing San- Sandusky jokes in 2019? Oh yeah. <laughs> Sandusky jokes in um, Sandusky Stadium <laughs> Yeah um, There uh, Yeah I, I, could, I could see this, this It's going to be a high scoring game I feel, I feel like even though It'll be regulation Field size like length and width um, feeling, I feel a little, a little naughty Speaking, <laughs> speaking dimensions Um but, it's, it's, uh, a, it's a real, it's a real girth. <laughs> it's, it's getting late, man. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a high-scoring game. It's gonna be fast-paced. Um, yeah, two very, very high-scoring teams. Then you put them with a shot clock. Then you put them in a dome. Um, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a shootout. But I got Penn State running, running away with this one. I could see them winning by like six or seven. Um, they, they, yeah, but uh, but I am, I'm bullish on Villanova in the long run. Just not this game. Okay, well, over-under on that game. Uh, again, these lines are all set by our good friends over at Lax Vegas Lines on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you follow them because they're usually bang on with, with most of their lines. Beat your uh, bookie. The, 
beat your bookie and uh but yeah the over under on this game is set at 23 and a half that that i can i could see pretty damn good these lines i i could see like a 15 13 so I, I I'm with you on high scoring there, and uh, so so I I'd, I'd be I'd be on that over, especially in Sandusky Stadium. Yep. I think that Penn State always plays their best across there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it'll be a sweat, but I I, I I think it'll be a good one. All right, so just to just to run through some of those picks again, so uh, I don't quite see any lines set up here for Utah versus. Oh Vermont, well, and we are, we, oh, and we we're, we're keeping record again this year. You versus me, me versus you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean that we live to compete. That mm-hmm. is, we live for the game. It's my blood. Uh, but I think we are both on the Vermont Catamounts over Utah today at six p.m. Eastern Standard Time to get the college lacrosse season going. And then it sounds like we are both on Duke over Furman. I just want to pick your brain here a little bit. So the line on that one, Duke minus seven. Take it. That is a that's a hefty spread to start the season. Hefty spread to start the season, but it's hefty for a reason. Slapping Duke on that, they win by ten or eleven. Wow, yep. I am going Duke with the win, but I'll I'll give Furman the points. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Are we doing two separate records, or were we accumulated? How are we gonna do this? Uh, we'll I, do. I guess it, we'll we'll ask the people at home. Okay. But uh, oh, 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 right, oh, so, oh, and speaking of the people at home, obviously the Crease Dive Boys love audience engagement. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter, on Instagram, dude. We've got on our Instagram. You guys are awesome, by the way. Our Instagram followers are up to like twenty eight k, something like that. Um, DMs are always loaded. We're always looking at them. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, so yeah, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram, on Twitter at the Crease Dive. Uh, shoot us some questions, whatever you want to hear, suggestions, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. forward to not, fun. not enough dick pics in the DMs. Down <laughs> disappointed. So make yeah. sure you fire those over, and maybe uh, Rabio can pull them up while he's at work. <laughs> but so we've got uh, we're both on Duke in, in in that game outright. But we I'm going Furman plus seven. You are taking Duke's seven points. Then Maryland versus Bucknell, I I believe I'm so I'm I'm Maryland minus four in this one. Um, I'm fuck fuck Billy McFarland. That is going to be a uh, that that's going to be the motto all season long. So I am taking the Terps minus four in that game. Robbie O, what are you on? Tailing you on both Terps and then Terps minus four. There we go. Uh, and then finally, Penn State, Villanova, Penn State minus three and a half. Sounds like you are on the Nittany Lions big time here, Robbie. Yes, might by the hook. I'm going. I'm going Nova plus three and a half. I, I think that this one's going to be close, but I'm also on Penn State getting the dub in this game. I, so, I feel like uh, if I didn't go on my uh, my rant earlier about Penn State being my dark horse and Grand Men and all that stuff, I feel like you'd be leaning more towards Villanova moneyline. <laughs> You like that was a great sales pitch for Thanks, Penn man. State, and so I fully bought into that, and I'll probably buy into that all season long. So those are our picks. That's everything that we are looking forward to this season in college across. Boys and girls cannot express how goddamn happy we are to be back. How goddamn happy we are for the sport to be back. It is going to be a great year. We can't wait to keep it rolling week after week after week after week, every single week up until championship weekend.
comes to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so we are looking forward to that. Like Rabio said, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Both handles there are at the crease dive. Thank you again to Casey Powell for coming on the podcast this week. Thank looking you. forward to talking to him later. And uh, yeah, let's go enjoy some lacrosse and always keep it low to high to the day we die. We out. <laughs>
Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to introduce my, uh, my good friend. He's been with me since the beginning of my musical career. Give it up for my good friend, Mr. John Hannes on lead guitar. <laughs> <laughs> 